Good morning, church. How are we? Have you been blessed by the worship of God so far? He is worthy. He is worthy of our worship. I hope you really are having a good morning. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. And if this is your first time, you've just so happened to join us on Launch Sunday. So much uh, good is taking place today. But specifically right now for this hour, we are starting a brand new sermon series called The Ten. We're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments. For the next ten weeks, we're going to go through the Ten Commandments. So what I want to do to get us started this morning is just read over the Ten Commandments. I want some honest people in the room. Last week, I gave uh, the church a challenge. I said, read the Ten Commandments this past week. How many in this room read the Ten Commandments? Look at you. You followed the rules or instructions. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to rehash. We're going to look over the Ten, and then we're going to set up today's Thought. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. The first one says, no other God but me. Number two is, don't worship idols. Don't take his name in vain. Don't take God's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your mother and father. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't slander. Don't covet. So what is our perception of the ten? What's our perception of these laws, these ten commandments, these regulations? You, you might have said something along these lines. Well, those are just, those are just good rules to live by. Or, or maybe you go to grandma's house and there's that old framed picture of the ten commandments listed. And you're like, yeah, this is grandma's rules. Those are good. Just good things to live by. They're wholesome. Or, or maybe this is your thought of the ten commandments. Man, those were written so long ago. There's been so much history take place between when they were written and now. Does God really want us to do all of those things? In our culture today, those are so outdated. Does God really expect us to live by each of those. So whatever your perception of the Ten Commandments is, that this is what this series hopefully will answer for you. How they fit into our daily life. How, as now, on this, this side of history, this side of Jesus, how the Ten Commandments fit in to our walk with Christ. But here's my fear. Here's my fear. Is that if all we do is elevate the law, elevate his commandments, we forget about grace. And that's not very fun, is it? But if all we do is elevate grace and uh, abandon the law, we don't talk about truth. We don't talk about how we can look more like Jesus. So do you feel the tension? Like well, we've got to strike a balance for what we're talking about. Because here is the ultimate fear, that over the next 10 weeks, if all we do is talk about the law, you're going to come in here and you're going to go, well, there is absolutely no way that I can meet that standard. What's the point in me being here? And if that's all we do, we're not striking the balance. So what we have to do before we even start looking at the law is we have to see how we need to view the law or who we need to view the law through, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus changes everything. He absolutely does. Jesus changes the way that we view the law. I want you to write this down. It won't be on the screen. We need to view the Ten Commandments 
through the lenses of Jesus. We need to view the law through the lenses of Jesus. We have to have a right perspective of the law. If we don't, you're going to walk in here and go, there's absolutely no way, I'm never coming back. Some of you may have even grown up in a church that was heavy in legalism. And you realize, man, there's just no way that I can reach that standard. And you drifted away from church, and by God's grace, you're back. Or maybe you've got kids that, that were raised in that, and they don't want anything to do with the church because it's heavy on the law. We have to have a right view of the Ten Commandments, and that is through Jesus. It's going to be on the screen. It says, Jesus makes us right with God. I want you to remember that. Each and every week, for every commandment that we go through, Jesus makes us right with God. We're going to read out of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If we look at 1 through 4. It says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. It's a really big deal this morning that we fully grasp what we just read. The law was given, the law in Scripture was given to show us how sinful we really are. We are sinful people do you agree church we're sinful and it's our sin that separates us from God the law shows us how sinful we really are so if we're looking at the law and only the law we recognize that we're sinners and awful that's not very much hope is it but enters the scene Jesus Jesus changes everything Jesus fulfilled the law he did what the law could not do in him we have righteousness. In him, we have holiness. In him, we have forgiveness. In him, we have salvation. He did what the law could not do. So we have to look at these regulations. We have to look at these instructions through Jesus. He completely changed the story. So you're like, wow, okay, you might be processing. Okay, if, if I have Jesus, if I place my faith in Jesus, do I really need the law? I've got everything. I'm glad you asked the question. It was asked to Jesus, and he provides an answer. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at 17 through 19. That's what Jesus says. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. See, there was confusion then. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law 
will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So I want you to write, uh, I want you to highlight, I want you to underline verse 18. It's crucial. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, by Jesus showing up on the scene, it didn't void out the law. Jesus showing up on the scene, it, it didn't take the whole Old Testament and say, it's pointless, don't spend your time reading it. And here's where I, I fear like some of us drift into. Man, that Old Testament just reads a little easier, doesn't it? I mean, that's where we're at, if we're honest. Like, we're in we're New Testament church. So I spend a lot of my time in this half of the Bible, and I really don't understand what this half means. Well, church, I want you to hear me. Jesus validated the Old Testament. Jesus validated the Old Covenant. Now, yes, some things happened. He did change how that relates to you and I. You see, the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments, were written as an if-and-then covenant. God says, if you do this, then I'll do that. The New Covenant says, because Jesus did that, you get to do that. It completely changes the scenario. However, it does not take the law and wad it up and throw it in the trash. Jesus elevates the law. People that don't have a real good understanding of Jesus, they say things like this. Jesus is love. He, he would never do that. He, he, he never calls out sin. He's love. He just wants people to come to him. What we're going to find out over the next 10 weeks is Jesus took the Ten Commandments to the next level. He extended them. He elevated righteousness. He elevated holiness for his people. He took the Ten Commandments to the next level. So we have to view the Ten through the lenses of Jesus. John 14, verse 15, this is what Christ says. He says, if you love me, if you love me, obey my commandments. You see now, on this side of Jesus, if you've trusted in him, we don't keep the law out of duty. I want you to listen to me. We don't keep the law out of duty. We follow the law out of love. We're not bound by the weight of the Ten Commandments anymore. We're freed to follow the commandments of Jesus. There's a big difference. We get to follow his commandments because we love him. Because he saved us. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go to Exodus chapter 20. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Before we get there, before we read it, let me give you a little background. Here's what's happening in the people of God, in the story, in the narrative. God's people have been delivered. God's people have been rescued. God's people have been saved. Do you all remember the story, the Red Sea? God saved his people in a miraculous fashion. So here they are. They've been rescued out of slavery. They've been there a really long time. And they're kind of floundering. They really don't know what to do. And here's when God enters the scene and he gives them his covenant law, his regulations. And this is the first part. Exodus 20, we're going to look at 1 through 3. Then God gave the people all of these instructions. He says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Here's the first. 
you must not have any other God but me. Right here, the first law is given. Have no other God, little g, but me. But here's what I want you to notice. Here's what I want you to see what God does in this moment. And here's how I want you to view this morning, next week, and every commandment that we're going to look at. Here's how I want you to view it. You might see this couch over here and like, that's, what in the world is that for? Well, here's, here's how I want you to look at the Ten Commandments. We got some parents in the room with kiddos still in the house. Raise your hand. Would you echo that parenting is tough? Give me something. Woo! It's a miracle that we're here today. It's tough. So here's, here's what God does with his children, the nation of Israel, his people. He says, go sit on the couch. Mom and dad, you ever said that? Like when little one gets in trouble, I don't know what your parenting style looks like. We're going to get there with honor your father and mother. Can't wait. It's going to be great. But I don't know, you might spank. No, Luke, we're millennials. We don't touch our kids, right? <laughs> Boy, that's taken off. Man, spare the rod, spoil the child. You ever heard that? So you might spank or corner. I don't know. But here's what happens in my house. Go sit on the couch, little lady. And we come over here, and this is what God is doing, okay? Here's what God's doing. He's got his children, and he says, I want you to go sit on the couch. Now, remember what he says there. He says, I rescued you. Because I rescued you, worship me. So what he's doing in this moment is he's reminding his children that he loves them. A father that rescues is a father that loves. So he takes his children, he says, sit on the couch, we're going to have a conversation. Mom and dad, you, you been there? And good parents will teach their kids what they've done wrong and how they can live right. God the Father is doing the very same thing thing you may read the ten commandments and go wow that is a horrible list of don'ts if i do all of those my life will be miserable if i do all of those life will not be fun i cannot do that god is giving these law giving these regulations to benefit his kids because he loves them just like any parent would correct their child because they love them so I want you to look at the law as God the Father telling you, go sit on the couch. I'm going to tell you these things because I love you. And here's when my faith really changed. It skyrocketed, church. Listen, I'm going to give you a secret. When, when I fully grasped that God the Father had my best interest in mind, I couldn't help but love him. I couldn't help but do what he says. He's a good father. And when he says, don't do this, he's not being mean. He's saying that to protect you and I. We've got to understand that. So he said, nation of Israel, go sit on the couch. Child of God, go sit on the couch. We're going to have a conversation because I love you. And he says, because I love you, I rescued you, 
Worship only me. I should be it. Nothing else in your heart but me. That's what he says. It's going to be on the screen. First and only point for today, worship only God. If you were to look down in verse 5, he uses the terminology. He says, I'm a jealous God. And in verse 5, he says, I will not tolerate you worshiping anything else. Now listen, what I know about God is that when he says something, he means it. When God says he will not tolerate it, guess what? He will not tolerate it. So what he sets up right here is the most important commandment. He says, love and worship me. Guess what? We get that one wrong. It doesn't matter what two says. It doesn't matter what five says. It doesn't matter what ten says. That is the most important. Did Jesus say the same thing? He did. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to look at 37 and 38. The Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up, trying to get him to stumble, and this is how he responded. He says, you, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Do you see how Jesus elevates it? The 10 just says, worship only God. Jesus says, worship God with everything you have. And he said, this is the most important. We have to get this one right. We have to understand what the first commandment is really saying. And what I love about the first, it goes to the root of the issue. Is there anything else in your life? Is there anything else in your heart that's vying for more attention than your worship for God? That takes some soul searching. That takes a tough conversation between you and the Lord. There's going to be a question on the screen. It reads, if I didn't have blank, would I still love God? I want you to write that down. And I want you to leave the blank blank. If I didn't have blank, would I still love God? And here's how this question is going to work in your life. Some of you right now do not have to think about it at all. You know exactly what your idol is. Some of you this morning, that may take a little bit more soul searching. But here's how the question works. If I didn't have blank, would I still love God? If whatever you write in that blank is a yes, it passes the test. But whatever you write in that blank, if it causes you to pause, perhaps, perhaps that's an idol. And that may be the very thing that God wants to work with you in addressing. So be honest with that question. If I didn't have blank, would I still love God? We could spend the rest of our time today, next week, and several weeks building this exhaustive list. But, for example, if I didn't have my health, would I still love God? We value our health here in the Western culture, don't we? We spend millions trying to add years to our life. There's nothing wrong with it, but if I didn't have my health, 
would I still love God? So many people value good health. If I didn't feel good, would I still love God? How about this one? If I didn't have my wealth, would I still love God? I've worked my whole life building that retirement. Guess what, church? I could disappear tomorrow. If I didn't have my wealth, would I still love God? How about this one? If I didn't live in America, would I still love God? You want to know how much that one matters? Let's take the flag and take it outside this room. If that bothers you, that might be an idol. If I didn't have, how about this one? My family. Wow. What if God took your family? Would you still worship him? If I didn't have my children, would I still love God? One of the most discouraging conversations I think I have with young families is they say, I'm here because I know my kids need to be in church. In that moment, you've elevated your children above your worship of God. That you are only doing what you're doing for your kids. Now, loving your kids, is anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. But I think one of the major downfalls, pitfalls, that we have right now as parents is that we elevate our kids too highly. I'm listening to me. I'm not saying do not love your kids. But do your kids run the show? If, if they do, then perhaps your parenting, your, your love for your children might be an idol. You can't worship God because you're at this event or you're at that event or you're here or you're there. Your children have become an idol. And, and God is saying, deal with it. It's me and only me. So look at this question. If I didn't have blank, would I still love God? Here's what I want you to do this week. I know this is tough. But I want you to take this question and I want you to treat it seriously. And I want you to approach God and say, listen, God, I really want to worship you and only you. But, but if there is an ounce of something in my heart that is misplaced, help me to deal with it. If there is something in my life that I cannot see that is an idol, God, show it to me. Because I want to worship you and only you. Maybe in your walk with Christ, you have never done that. This would be a great time to start. God, show me what I am putting in front of you. Help me to see it. Help me to deal with it. Here's what Ezekiel chapter 14 says in 3 through 6. It's the son of man. These leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that will make them fall into sin. Why should I listen to their request? Tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts and fallen into sin. And then they go to a prophet asking for a message. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. 
I will do this to capture the minds and hearts of all my people who have turned from me to worship their detestable idols. Therefore, tell the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, repent and turn away from your idols and stop all your detestable sins. Big question for you this morning, what idols have you set up in your heart? God's word is very clear that when we set up idols in our hearts, it's inevitable it will lead you into sin. Soul searching, it's tough, I know. What idols do you have? This will be on the screen. It reads strong, but it says this. Anything that gets in our view of God must go. Now you're probably thinking, Luke, I can't get rid of my family. What do I do? Yeah, listen here. Building wealth, nothing wrong with it. Having great health, nothing wrong with it. Cherishing your family, you should. But when those things take the place of God, they've got to be rearranged on the list. And you've got to recognize where they rank. And God is supreme. He's the only list. We've got to ask ourselves that tough question. What am I worshiping other than God? The first law was given so that the children of God would search their hearts. I'm going to share some hope with you. You might be thinking, wow, uh, this is going to be tough. Well, remember, we're on the other side of Jesus now. We're in the covenant of grace. And if you leave here today going, God, I, I need some help, guess what? Jesus is there to help you. He can help you in this. You don't have to leave each week that we talk about some really tough stuff and go, I got to do this by, my, by myself. No, Jesus is there to help you. You can run to him and go, this is what I've built up in my heart in front of God. He wants to help you with it. He's a good father, remember? You have grace now. You have Jesus now. He can help you. The law was given to reveal the error in our heart. That's a good thing. Take it to Jesus and let him help you with it. 1 John 5, 20 and 21. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come. And he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God. And he is eternal life. Highlight this, underline it, verse 21. Dear children, so remember this couch mentality. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Stay away from it. God is saying, I am it. Worship only me. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for your law. Thank you for your instruction.
God, I pray for this church this morning. Uh, some tough questions have been posed. And your word is doing exactly what it says it will do. It will refine us. It will sanctify us. It will challenge us. It will rebuke us. Its purpose is to direct us to you. So God, help us this morning. As we understand that now we're under the law of grace, we have Jesus, we have hope, we have forgiveness. That I don't have to live by the law out of duty. Now I get to live by the law out of love for him. Because he rescued me, because he saved me, we get to live for him. We get to do what the word says. So help us, God. As we examine the law, we look at your instructions, we can, as the writer David says, we can delight in them. Help us, Lord. Thank you for loving us enough to tell us what to do for our benefit. And thank you for loving us enough that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross that if we trust in him, we could have forgiveness of sins and eternal life in and through Jesus. Thank you, God. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Church, would you stand with me? We're going to sing that song again, Worthy is the Lamb. And here's how I want you to respond. If you feel the need, there would be a pastor or two up here. Great. But here's how I want you to respond this morning. I want you to worship God. And I want you to worship only God. Maybe in this moment right now, I mean, you don't have to take that question home and think about it, pray about it. You know exactly what it is. Take it to the Lord right now and say, God, I'm sorry. I repent of putting that thing in front of you. Forgive me and help me to follow and worship you. Or maybe right now you just need to sing, you just need to worship, and you need to make it all about him. Respond to Jesus in some way this morning, church.